Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. I'm Terry McHugh. If I haven't had a chance to meet you or connect with you, uh, part of the pastoral team, I serve as executive pastor here at Garfield, which really makes me sound a lot more important than I actually am. But delighted to be able to be in worship together as we're scattered, as the early church was scattered in all different places, and it just makes God's church a little bit bigger. So if you've been with us, we are in a series called Spiritual PPE. We've been in Ephesians chapter 6 for a couple of months now, and this is where the Apostle Paul talks about the whole armor of God, what enables us to stand in the face of the spiritual forces of wickedness and those things that assail us. And we know a little bit about some of the things that assail us in these days. And so going on the image of spiritual personal protective equipment, we've been looking at these different pieces. And so there was the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation and the shoes of the gospel of peace. And so we've, we've, been through all those. We've put them all on. But Paul says, there's one more thing. We need to pray and be alert. We need to stay alert. And I almost feel like the the prayer is is like the the galvanizing force that, that makes all the pieces work together as a whole so that we can stand in the face of anything. So prayer is is essential, Paul says, and it's we need to pray for all God's people. And we need to keep on praying. And again, we need to be alert. And that sense of communal praying is really lost in our culture today. You know, Barna did a recent poll and about prayer practices in America. And it's true that the majority of people, probably 70-some percent, say they pray at least in the last three months. But 94% say they pray alone and in silence. And... We're meant to live life together. That's why we gather for worship. And and our house of prayer lives that out so well. Pastor Lori, who leads our house of prayer, and they're meeting via conference call every Monday night at 7, and you can join in. But last Monday, after Pastor Chip had sent out an email detailing some of the ways that in-person worship is going to happen, they took that e-note, and they prayed over every scripture, every paragraph, every bit of instruction, those registering, those serving, our tech team, our pastoral team, our worship team, anyone who might be coming. And they lifted that all up in prayer for all God's people. We need to keep on praying. And yet, prayer is something that we feel we never master. So many people say, I just, I don't know how to pray, or I'm not happy with my prayer life. Thomas Merton, a great spiritual writer and and a, a priest, um, in, the ni- in the 20th century, said that we don't want to be beginners of prayer, but the truth is we are always beginners in prayer. 
And I think about, you know, when Jesus in John um, 21 says that, I'm sorry, it wasn't Jesus, it was John. John, in, at the end of his gospel, says there were so many other things that Jesus did that if they were put in a book, the world would not be big enough to hold them. And I think it's that way about prayer. There's so many books and, and writings. Richard Foster wrote a classic book on prayer called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, and he delineates 21 different types of prayer, from contemplative prayer to the prayer of suffering, the prayer of tears. And yet prayer is accessible to us. It's something that we can do. It's not too hard for us. And so even though to try to talk about prayer in the little bit of time we have today, it feels like trying to put the ocean in a teacup. But we're going to dig deep a little bit And we're going to leave Ephesians for a little bit. And we're going to go to John's Gospel in the 14th chapter. I'm going to read just a couple of verses. And this takes place in the context of John 14 to 17, which is called Jesus' farewell discourse. This is where he is with his disciples right before he's going to the cross. And he washes their feet. He encourages them. He equips them. And he prays for them. Do you know Jesus still prays for us? The book of Hebrews says that Jesus is our high priest, continuing to intercede for us. And even though Revelation 12.10 says that the devil is slandering us, guess what? We've got a champion in our corner who's lifting us up. Even as we're lifting prayers to him, he's praying for us. And so in this discourse, if you have a a red letter Bible, as they call it, or on the app, on my Bible app that I use, they put the words of Jesus in red. It's a flood of red in these chapters. It's just a flood of red because Jesus is pouring himself out so that we might be able to receive that and then go back out and pour out. So he's equipping them and he's getting them ready for the journey ahead. So let's look at John 14 verses 12 through 15. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I think that everything we need to know about prayer is packed into that verse 13. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the other verses surrounding it and, and dig a little deeper in it. But Paul, I mean, Peter, Jesus, he's saying, the power of prayer, whatever you ask, I will do. He's talking about the condition of prayer in Jesus' name and the purpose of prayer, which is to glorify the Father through the Son. So we're going to talk about the power, the condition, and the purpose of prayer. As Jesus comes into this space, wherever you are, and is ready to teach us and model for us. And so the power of prayer, we can't put this out of context, because again, Jesus is equipping his disciples and us for going out into the world Prayer is one of the gifts that he gives to them and to us. But this is in a context of mission. This is a context of going into all the world to make disciples of all nations. 
baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what they're going to be called to do, and that's what we are called to do. And so Jesus is teaching them and saying, he's even said that you will do greater things. Like, how could we do greater things than Jesus? But because he goes to the Father, and because he has given us the power to play in his name, that we're able to do it ourselves. Now, this is not a genie in the bottle. This is not rub, 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 and Jesus will do whatever I ask. This, this power is something that is given to us, and I, I want to just pause for a minute, because at the essence, what Jesus is saying is, you ask, I do. There's power in that. You ask, and I do. And we need to be amazed. You know, scholars that have studied this passage have said that it's stunning, astonishing, incredible. And one scholar said that these promise, the promise that Jesus gives, that we ask for anything and he'll do it, you ask, I do, is so staggering to us that we can't even dare to believe it, even though Jesus plainly is saying it. And so I want to just pause and be amazed. I think the, the predominant emotion in our culture today is, is outrage, it's depression, it's anxiety. There's, I don't know if you've heard of doom scrolling, but that's when we're up at 11 at night or 3 in the morning and we're going through our social feeds and reading about all the terrible things that are happening. And we need to, we need to be outraged about racism. We need to be outraged about all the evils in this world. But we also need to be amazed at God. I, I saw something this week. I posted it on social. But I was out um, doing some errands, and I saw on a st- storefront that these birds, three birds, had built a nest. And it, they were kind of huddled up there. And it was amazing to me that they'd found a way where there seemed to be no way. But it was also amazing to me that they were huddled right on top of a power source. And they had no idea. And it led me to reflect that how often I have access to the greatest power in the universe. And I'm oblivious to the one in whom we live and move and have our being. The one who created us. And yet we're oblivious. So we need to be amazed by this power and acknowledge it. And then Jesus is, is telling us that we need to ask in his name, not ours. There was a a prayer conference a couple years ago and people could bring in, send in their questions. And and so one person sent in a question to the speaker and said, I've been a member of my church for 30 years. I've taught Sunday school for 25. I've been a leader on this board and that board. I read my Bible every day. I have this prayer. I believe it's in the will of God and God hasn't answered it. And so the, the speaker read the question. He said, well, it sounds to me like this person is trying to take all their credentials, and force God into answering his prayer. And he said, you know what? That guy was not praying in Jesus' name. He was praying in his own name. Praying in Jesus' name is not a talisman. It's not a way to get to the top of the prayer algorithm. Think of going back to my uh, old hippie roots. Janis Joplin had a song, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all have Porsches. I must make amends. And, um, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? That's how we go to God. 
There was a, a king in the ancient Saxon world, Aelfrith. I mean, I had to tell the story just because it's so fun to say that word. But he was uh, attacking in the Welsh country. This is in the Middle Ages. And he was with his scout, and they were looking at the place they were going to attack the next day. And this pagan king saw some men there that didn't have weapons. And he said to his scout, who are they? And he said, oh, that's, that's the monks of Bangor. They're praying. And he said to his scout, you know what? When we go to battle tomorrow, get them first. That pagan king had a better understanding of the power of prayer than we do, than most Christians. And so prayer, there's power in prayer, but Jesus doesn't just say ask. He says, ask in my name. That's the condition of prayer. And we need to, again, remember that ask, praying in Jesus' name is not a magic formula. It's a, it's a way of undergirding, it's a way of acknowledging Jesus' lordship, and it's more than that. To understand what it means to pray in Jesus' name, I think we need to understand a couple things. One is, in Jesus' time, the incredible importance of names. In some ancient writings in Egypt, it said about the time before their understanding of creation that it was a time when no things had names. The, in the pagan religions, people would try to discover the names of the gods and then use it to coerce them. Like, if you knew the names of the gods, you would have power over them. God says in Exodus, in what we, part of what we call the Ten Commandments, he says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And it's the only commandment that has a punishment after it. And the, the um, literal translation says that you shall not lift up the name or the reputation of the Lord for an empty thing. How often do we come to God with empty things? And we tend to think of that commandment as like, well, we just can't cuss, right? So we say things like, Jiminy Cricket. Never forget when our son Mike was around five, he was really mad we didn't let our kids say bad words. And he's like, Mom, I am so mad that I really want to say C-A-R-P. Let that sink in. But that's not what it's about. It's, it's the importance of a name. We, sh- need, we can't look at Jesus' name as an empty thing. The second thing is that to pray in Jesus' name is a reminder that we have a relationship. And in the Bible, the image that is used so often for our relationship to God is that we are adopted. Romans 8.15 says that. We have been adopted as children of God. And in... Um, In other places, there's that language that we have become the the sons and the daughters of God because of what Jesus does for us. And so we have that relationship, and therefore, God the Father's door is always open to us. We can come to God with with our requests as, as a sibling of Jesus. Talk about another thing to be amazed by. And so we have that relationship with God through Christ so that we have the ability to pray in Jesus' name. We have received in a sense, his name. That's how, when you're adopted, you receive the name of the family that receives you and that comes with rights to inheritance and rights to access, to be part of a family. And that's what we receive. And so that's part of praying in Jesus' name. And then the third thing I want to talk about, about what it means to pray in Jesus' name, is that 
the reason that we can pray our prayers and they be answered is because Jesus had his prayer that was not answered. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knows what's coming. He knows he has to drink the cup of wrath and take on what we deserved for our brokenness and our sinfulness on himself. And so Jesus is the one who has every right, in a sense, to have all his prayers answered. And yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, Father, let this cup be taken from me. But it wasn't. And so Jesus' unanswered prayer lays the foundation for our access, for our ability to pray in Jesus' name in this way. And so that's the, the, the condition of prayer, that the door was shut on Jesus so that it would be open for us. Jesus in Luke 11 talks about prayer and, and says that even human parents want to give their kids good gifts. If your child asks for a fish, you're not going to give them a scorpion. And yet, God wants more for his kids, which is us, than any human parent. He wants our joy and our happiness and our connection. And so that's the condition of prayer, that we pray in Jesus' name. And then the purpose of prayer. The reason we pray in Jesus' name is to bring glory to God. It says that we pray so that the Father may be glorified. Through the Son. We don't use the word glory very much. John's Gospel talks a lot about glory. In John 17, verses 4 and 5, he says, I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. The glory of Jesus Christ goes back to before anything. And that's the glory that we are called to express through prayer. And glory is a sense of uh, majesty, of splendor, of something really glorious. And yet, our problem is that our desire for satisfaction and, and for the things of, that we think will make us happy overtakes our desire to glorify God. And so when in prayer we do glorify God, we're fulfilling our purpose. When we pray boldly, with confidence, for something that seems impossible, we're glorifying God. When we pray for transformation of ourselves, of our world, in confidence, we glorify God. When we pray in adoration, in love, just seeking to be in God's presence, we glorify God. God is glorified when we pray in those ways. And so the purpose of prayer is not to get our desires satisfied, but to receive what ultimately will satisfy us, which is the presence and the relationship with God. And until we get that, we'll never be satisfied. You know, we think that if we just get this and we just get that, we'll be happier, we'll be satisfied, we'll be okay. There's a, a theory called the hedonic treadmill. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's, it looks at happiness and where people say, if only I had that car, if only I had that relationship, I would be happy. And you know what they find out? When people get those things, there's a little bump and then it goes right back down as if we have a baseline of happiness and those things that we pursue don't make us happy. And so if we look to God just as power, then we go to God for things. But if we 
look to God as the source of our ultimate meaning and love and relationship. We go to God in love and adoration to glorify him because God is glorious and we need to be in that presence. And so the purpose of prayer is not to get our desires satisfied but to, by the things that we think we need, but to have that ultimately satisfying relationship. St. Augustine says to God, our hearts are restless until they find themselves in thee. We will always be seeking and restless and like there's something missing until we give our hearts to God as we pray and as we glorify him. And so what happens when we experience and begin to understand that glory of God? I think there's some internal changes in our prayer life and some external. Internally, we prepare ourselves. As we've been worshiping today, as we've been lifting songs of praise as our worship team has led us, we're preparing ourselves inwardly to experience prayer, to experience the presence of God. And our Jewish brothers and sisters have a term that's called kavanah. And what this is, is how they approach prayer. They say that we need to be intentional. We need to prepare our hearts and our spirits for the presence of God. In many synagogues, there are, there's a plaque on the wall that reminds people, remember in whose presence you are standing. And so we, if we come to prayer expecting to encounter Jesus Christ, expecting to encounter God, and preparing spiritually, then how we come to prayer will be different and God will be glorified. And then in terms of outwardly, Jesus is teaching his disciples and us that to, to do is to pray and to pray is to do. Before Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do, he says, you're going to do greater works. As if in order to do the works, we need to be fortified by the prayer. And when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he says, pray like this, our Father, Abba, again, the adoption, the relationship, who's in heaven. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so part of how we can glorify God is to, help, is to ask God to help us make up there, come down here. So that it truly would be on earth as it is in heaven. That's part of the work of prayer and part of the work that we have to ask God to help up there come down here in our homes, in our communities, in our world, even in our church. As God continues to refine his bride and help us to discover what that is like to live that, that way. And I heard a story about a, a few women from a church in Palo Alto, California. It's a very wealthy area. Um, but near some areas that are in greater need. They were at a conference, they were skipping out on some of the sessions, and they dream, started to dream together. What would it be like to be kingdom bringers? And so they came up with some thoughts, and they went to their pastor, and they said, we've got some things we want to do. And they said, the pastor said, okay, what would you like to do? And they said, well, we want to solve world hunger. He said, that may be a little ambitious for a starter project, but there is an under-resourced school in East Palo Alto, which in contrast to the wealth of Palo Alto, a few years ago had one of the highest murder rates per capita. And he said, what if you got a thousand volunteers to, to paint murals and, and get a new playground and 
So they said, okay, we're, we're going to do that. And the pastor was not entirely sure they'd be able to do it, but they prayed, and they said, Lord, help us make down here be like up there. Make up there come down here. And so they prayed, and they recruited volunteers. Well, they ended up with 1,200 volunteers. And one of, one of them was in a Starbucks, and they said, hey, you know, we're going to have all these volunteers. I think you should donate coffee. And the manager said, okay. Emboldened by that, they said, and I think you should deliver it. The manager said, okay. They went to a big box store, and they said, we need $10,000 worth of equipment. We don't have any money. We don't have any credentials, but we need you to give it to us. And he said, okay. They ended up having $20,000 of playground equipment donated. And so on this one day, there were people of every age, of every everything, on this big celebration, building murals, putting in a new playground, listening to music, celebrating. And it was all because these women said, they prayed, God, help us to bring up there, down here. What might we be able to do as God's church if we prayed that prayer? If we asked God, if we invited God to help us make up there come down here so that God's kingdom on earth would be in heaven. And we talk about as Garfield Memorial Church as part of the multi-ethnic movement that we seek to be like the Revelation 7-9 where every tongue and tribe and nation is represented and walking and working as we worship together as one. So that's my prayer, that we might be people who take seriously what Jesus says when he says that whatever you ask in my name, I will do to glorify the Father through the Son. Let's pray. Lord, we come in so many different ways, and some of us don't even know what it really means to take on Jesus' name to be adopted in the family of God. So, so reach those folks. Many of us know and we claim the name of Jesus. We claim to be Christians, and yet our prayers are so often in our own name and not truly in Jesus' name. Forgive us of our prayerlessness. Forgive, forgive us of our lack of amazement that you say, you ask, I do. And Lord, help us to dig deep into the relationship that you so freely offer that we might truly become the children of God. And in that power, in that condition of being in that relationship in Jesus' name, may you be glorified. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.